0: Okay, so to Seattle Deshmaya, we're going to begin our, uh, I believe it's our fifth year in the Sih Chesran series. Thank you so much for coming. And um, tonight, with the limited time period that we have, to be able to delve into these teachings together, and as always, I appreciate each and every one of you for coming. Thank you so much. We have, uh, we have a lot to do. We have a lot to do. And not, not really in terms of... Quantity, but in terms of the depth and in terms of the beer of the sugyas that we're going to try to tackle tonight, both in the Indian of money and how to understand the B'naachman approach to the effect of wealth on Avodah's Hashem, both Latav and Lumutav, both for the positive and, uh, and, and the opposite. We're also going to delve into, Hashem. in the second part of this year, we're going to be delving into. The essence of Rabbi Nachman's war and battle on philosophy. So it's a very, very famous element of the Brustler approach to Hashem, which goes hand in hand with the concept of t'mimus, simplicity, pshitas, also to go uh, to, to go in a simple way in a simple way. We, we talked about this in previous year also, but we're going to get really, really deep into and learn certain of Rabbi Nachman's lashonos both about the Rambam and about and about others and to try to navigate that sugya and to understand what's the chilik, what's the difference in approach and why did Rabbi Nachman care so much about it, why is it so important and what was he trying to convey and how does it... Joined together with all of the other elements that we've talked about until now and that we'll continue to talk about Hashem, for the uh, foreseeable future to create the breast consciousness and that path that Rabbi Nachman wanted to take us by the hand and guide us along. Okay, so let's first delve into Sicha Dalid. Let's read through the Sicha one time very quickly. We already read it last time. And... Let's try to, uh, to, to dive into this sugya first, and then we're gonna hit the beginning of Sigha Sran He, which, like I mentioned last time, is very long. Just gonna learn it in, uh, in, in Chalakim, so I did 5.1, even though it's a, it's a very long piece. But each week, we're gonna tackle a different element of it. It's all one sugya, but with a lot of different, you know, s- 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 okay, so Sran Da'aleh, Dalit says, the other Ach now, in our times, Kasher Ma'od Kasher. Very, very hard, very, very difficult for a really, truly kosher person, a good-fitting, upright person, to amass wealth. To amass wealth. Because a person is going to need to experience a tremendous descent until he manages to go ahead and to attain wealth. And even after that process of having a spiritual descent, Even so, even a person who goes through this process that has tremendously detrimental effects on his HaVodes Hashem, it's not so clear that he's going to actually emerge successful in attaining this wealth. because even wicked people, the Kali and people that are just floating around in this world. Lav not everybody attains this. Avalish Kashar Be'emes, but a really, truly Honest and, and, and fitting and holy person, it's very, very distant from him that he should be able to attain wealth. Because a person should know. Because from the time that the Beisam was destroyed, and we talked about how the Beis Hamikdash was the center of wealth. Everything was gold. Everything was silver. It was made out of beautiful, beautiful, and very, very expensive materials. When that Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, along with everything that it represented, the pasuk says, "But plaim." There was a bechina, or the Beis Hamikdash, and Am Yisrael, and that whole concept of the Beis Hamikdash represented in terms of wealth was vatered plaim. It had a, a wondrous and awesome, a frightening and terrifying fall. Plaim says, the el garaba is osios alafen plaim." Which means an awesome, wondrous descent is also letters These thousands, which is a reference to Ashiras, to wealth, Yar at a plaim at a tremendous descent, fell down very, very deeply. you read the you read because since that's where the wealth is, that it had such a tremendous fall, and that's where the alafim are, that it fell down into the into the clipas, right? Into that place of the evil forces or the negative forces that are trying to hold us back from serving Hashem. So therefore, in order to attain that wealth, a person's got to go down to that place, right? And he's going to have to experience that. And even then, it's not even certain that he's going to make it, right? is very, very difficult for a truly kasher person to attain Hashiras. Even though you do find that the word sadiqam that did manage to hold on to some of that wealth in their pursuit of it would have been better for them not to have had it because even so it's very, very hard and it's difficult and it detracts instead of aiding. And those Sadiqim that do have wealth at the end of the day it takes away in some aspect it damages their service. Gamba be'emes. And he says, even, and he says the truth is, even those Sadiqan that do have something, but it's not the kind of wealth that we're talking about. Those people that devote all their, all their lives to it, right? And even then they have to have some schus, a mazzel to be able to get there. But he says it's going to damage them. And they don't have this this wealth, right? That the Kali Oilam hash, Yuslam or Urbava, hadu Zumanim, liquid cash, Kyash, Kash, Kavim, Chilak Sher Mashir's canal, Kmay Shaam, Mishamib Zhain in the Khan of the Bracha. This that Rimnachman hard denker sell a mashain is the khan of the Bracha, Rabbi Sain rather, the Khan of the Bracha, Ayurah Yambi Smila Ishavhavid, which means that. That those that are holding on to the amin, which is a bachina of Lishma, they're Zochat to Oroch Those that are learning to our Shalolishma are Zochat to Oishavachavid. Frag the Gemara. I don't understand. Those that are learning Shalolishma are Zochat to Oishavachavid, and those on the right are only Zochat to Oroch To our Riches what happened to their Oishar B'chavid? Says the Gemara, no, Kalshakain. Of course, right? But Amr Abhin is going to the racha. Oishar B'chavid, leka. But Amr Kalshakain Oishar B'chavid. Certainly they have Oishar But Amr Abhinachim is going to the racha. Again, in this sort of sardonic or sarcastic way, Shurak Kalshakain, right? That the Gemara learns it out from a Kalshakain. But at the end of the day, it's not Mufursh and the Pasuk that those on the right are going to have wealth. And therefore, those that do have wealth, okay, the Gemara already said Kalshakain. But at the end of the day, it's not Mufursh and the Pasuk. And therefore, we do not find that by, by and large, those tzaddikim that devoted themselves to Avodis Hashem be'emes, were zocha too a phenomenal amount of liquid cash of wealth that we described. Okay. right? So he says, Certainly they deserve it. They do not have that kind of liquid cash that we talked about. So we already started to talk last time about how it's a little bit difficult and challenging to navigate this sugya because in Breslev, you find a lot of times that what we have sources in one place, we have sometimes sources in another place that don't necessarily contradict, but are deepening that sugya, bringing another element and another facet and another aspect. And so let's dive into the Kutumran Torah Sama, just the beginning of this Torah that's very, very lengthy and has many, many steps and stages, and it's a very, very complex process. So let's try to jump in just to the first couple of paragraphs in the Kutumran Torah with the help of the master of the world. Dav, says the Hilgar Rebbe, no. There's a certain path, there are paths in the Torah that require a tremendous amount of contemplation. And it's impossible to attain this level of of contemplation, of depth and thinking. The only way to get there is if a person has Ashiras? Says the Just like in terms of Nigla of Torah, Chazal say in a very simple level, in Avos, im ain't kemach, ein Torah. Right? If there's no kemach, if there's no parnasa, if there's no support, then there's no Torah. Parnassah. And when it comes to the Nigla of Torah, a person at least more sheets are coming. Yeah. Right. A person at least has to have some parnasa al so in the same way that for the nigla of Torah, im in Torah, and that's on a simple level. When we start talking about this kind of depth, of this kind of contemplation, shu which is tremendously great, ashiras Right? It's not just in Torah. For this kind of Torah, you just don't just say kemach is not going to cut it. Right? You need mamish. Ashira's God Almighty a tremendous amount of wealth. She'aloi rav that a person again should have a tremendous, tremendous treasure house. V'loi kol ba and that nothing should be lacking. Kitzarah kol da alma all of the wealth of the world. In order to attain this, is bainanus. O binei yisaschar, and he says the shevet of yisaschar, yisaschar shahayilahem zois has bainanus that they attained this is bainanus. But b'chinas o binei yisaschar yoyde bina. The pasuk says that the descendants of yisaschar, that shevet yoyde bina, they were. Contemplating the Torah, or they attained this very deep level of wisdom and understanding. How did they get to this level of Yode bina? And the answer is because they were the shevet that was blessed with wealth. They were the ones to go ahead and to be symbolized by donkeys that were laden with all sorts of wonderful riches and wealth. And the targum uncle says after they were very wealthy and in property and real estate. And therefore, we find that it was Dafka B'nai Saschar that was connected to the Bechin of Chamar Garim that they had this wealth. Therefore, B'nai Saschar is that they access this level of Bi Kain, the Rebbe continues, that's why we find that Moshe Rabbein, V'chol Aravim, all of the prophets, Hoylehem Ashiraz Gadal Ma'oyr. We find that these Sadiqan did, in fact, have a tremendous amount of wealth. So that they can access on a spiritual level. We started talking last week a little bit that w- that. Money at its core comes from the cherash nishmas Yisrael from a very very lofty place, a very lofty place. Bakhlal, it's very interesting. A lot of the anti-Semitic tropes over throughout history have a deep deep mashmaos of, of emes in, uh, in, in Pneumius. Interesting thing, Jews historically have big noses. It's a big, big depth to that. Rabbi Gamliel on the Gemara is, is called the one with the big nose. Anybody who learned Torah with us, I'm on the Chavra, Torah have a big nose, what that is, that's Mashiach. Mashiach is the Ruach, is the Reach, right? Morach, V'dayin, what that is, we talked about. Nukveder the a very lofty level. And the Messianic spirit is connected to the concept of the nose, of the Chaitim, Jews have big noses or Hashem, right? Because that means that Beruchni is were Mushrish in that place, right? Jews are always wealthy. All Jews are wealthy. A, of course, they're stuyot. It's not true. It wasn't true historically. The Jews were always wealthy, right? We need a scapegoat and so we blame those wealthy Jews that are always in charge of anything because we're very bright. Not, you know, generally speaking, Jews are bright. Jews are educated. They were always much more educated, right? Than other segments of society wherever we were, the people of the book and therefore naturally they figured things out, right? B'nai Yaakov. Yaakov itself means, right? To trick, and so Jews always knew how to, how to work the system to their advantage. And so we find there are certain aspects of these tropes, right, of these anti-Semitic uh, charges or ideas that really in truth are rooted very, very deeply in, in MS in a certain way, right? And when it comes out in a Klepa, so then they don't know how to handle it and they take it to a, to a negative extreme. But this is true, right, that Jews are connected to wealth. Jews are connected to money. Beshorish, but the shorish of money. Kesef and Zav, Cheser and Gvura that combine in Tiferis, which is the source for where Am Yisrael come from. Like the Pasuk says, Yisrael, Asher B'cha, Espa'er, Yaakov Avinu, is the blend between Avram's Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevura. Avram is Kesef, Yitzchak is Zav, and that comes together in Yaakov Avinu, that he is the Bechir Sheba'avos, the Av of all of Am Yisrael, the Shvatim that descend from him, and therefore at the root of Am Yisrael's Neshama is this very lofty, it's called Chalius Hagvanim, the mixtures of different shining colors. Beruch Asmani is a very, very lofty thing. It's a big sugya, Mekach, Allah says Sanavu Right the whole the whole um, hey vav right basically is is talking about all of these halachas right khoshimish but it's all these halachas and the depth of them what money is bishrirish and so we here we find that Moshe Rabbeinu and these Sadiqim, in order to be able to attain this very lofty level of his in the Torah Dosha, needs to be in this aspect of Hashiras to be able to attain this incredible amount of wealth. That's why we find that the Torah itself is called Hain. Right? P'sukim in Tehillim, David describing the Torah It's not just a mushal. The it's possible to say that the way that a person can access the Torah piha to be able to access the true tov in Torah, which is the ruachin of Esbainanos, is may alfi not more than, but from al zav achesef alafim, not more than, right? And Davra Malach tafka is the one that finds the Besha Mikdash. A emsa right? The Dabramelach loin etin and the Besamikdash are mushras, are 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 bound together at the source. And so t'habli pichas dafka what? May alfa khesed. When a person is connecting to zav and khesav, is chesed and Gvura, and that combine in the Tiferes from which Torah emerges with Lavin, Loisase, and Assey, Chesed and Gvura, Shama, rezacher all of this. This is what the Torah is at the at the root, right? It's a mixture of these two elements. And that's the most amazing thing. Uh, she was said to do with keser. Why do you ask? I just, Why? I read, I where I saw it's possible on some level. In in Breslov, it's associated with uh, with and But everything is rooted ultimately in keser. Keser is the beginning of everything. Keser is the first stage that encompasses everything. Right? Magin Miratius miraculous is keser. Everything is folded up into that first stage of, of will, of desire. says, kol sha'avar Amazing thing. Anybody who the Torah, in terms of the tradition, in developing stages, passed through their hands, ha'yleh Mashir is gad had tremendous, tremendous wealth. The Hainu Moshe Rabbi, know, we already talked about. Shehevi Atairli Yisrael, Chazal tell us, Hey, Asher was a tremendously wealthy person. Ka Moshe Amr, Rabbi Sinz, Kona the Racha, Mishamnis Asher Moishe, right? Chazal tell us that from the psalus of the Luchas that a Kaddish Baruch was said to Moshe, You're going to chisel out the Luchas and from that, the psalus that comes out from that Evan Sapir was a very, very precious uh, stone. Misham Nes that's where Moshe became wealthy from, which is also interesting, right? That Moshe's wealth comes not secondary to the root of the Torah, but the Luchas, that the whole entire Torah is folded into the Luchas, and the whole entire Luchas is folded into a and a That it was from the Psoilus of the Luchas, right? Which is an amazing thing, it's a deep thing. The letters that were created by chiseling out, meaning what was in the place of the letters of the Torah of Misham Nes Asher Moshe. You see? So the Torah and, 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 the, and the root of Asherus is Mamishwan. It's a one, because the psoilis of the Luchas, what is the psoilis? They carved in the letters all the way through. That means that essentially what was coming out of the Luchas was the letters in wealth form, in a certain way. Right? It was the Torah in, in wealth form. shamnes HaShemosh, an amazing thing. Shehebi atarli Yisrael haYash we said, and also rabbi, 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 who compiled, the Mishnaiyas also we find was tremendously wealthy. And when it came time for the Gemara, the Rina Rav or Masada, the Gemara, Shay Hasima, Satamid, same thing. They also had tremendous wealth with cedars, called which the <laughs> in and the in its developmental histalsholas passed through them They had to have not just the imen kemach in is a simple thing but says an amazing amazing amount of wealth. Ki tzarach is gadol, is boynunos. Hanal, because a person needs tremendous wealth in order to attain this level of his boynunos. Now, how do you put these two things together? Read you some of the Lashonahs, just to remind you, if you forgot from 10 minutes ago. Kosher ma'oid, right? Ma'oj, ma'oj. is ma'oj l'ish kosher. And it goes on and on throughout this piece. We heard Plaim. And he's going to have to have you read the G'day. Lama'oj, k'aydim shabala asher. Z'anolofa muzumana v'adayinu safik. Mazik lem dasam. How does a person put these things together? How are we able to reconcile these two teachings? On the most basic level, and I think there's a level of, uh, an element of truth to this, perhaps the truth, I don't know. This piece that we just learned from Samach is perhaps 10% of a very, very long lesson. It goes on for pages. One of the longest lessons is Tarasamach. It's for pages and pages and pages. In the, in the continuation of this introductory concept that a person needs wealth in order to have his phone on us. Rabbi then goes on to say, well, how do you attain this wealth? In order to attain this bodhisattva, that's how Rabbi Nachman always works. He says, in order, first, the first thing is that there's an enormous isboneness. So How do you get that? Through wealth. How do you get wealth? And then he goes on and continues. Sipur and is part of that. Shloisha Many, many different bakhinas of, of of spiritual mandragas that a person needs to work on. That this leads to that, and that leads to this, and this leads to the other thing, until finally you come back to his bodhisattva. So it's possible to suggest, and this is what one of the Breslav Mashrien told me when I spoke to him about this two weeks ago, is that Sihas, Randalid is talking about a ish kasher be'emes, who's trying to attain wealth, but not an al-Darah Tarasamh. And so Mamela, it's possible for him to attain wealth, but it's not going to lead to the kind of his it's not going to lead to the kind of wealth that's going to give him the ability or to right to access the, the enormous level of his bonunas that we're talking about, and ultimately it's going to be mazakim. But if a person is to work the tikunim, tikune atik, all of the different levels, we'll all learn it together, at one point. All of those levels and tikkunim. So then for such a person, not only is it not mazik, but to such a person, it will bring to a very high level of espoinowness. That's one approach. But I want to explore a second approach that's founded in another Torah in the Kutumran, which is brought in source number two. Lekutumran Kuf Samach Beis, 162. Let's learn this Torah together. To my knowledge, it's perhaps, I don't know if it's the only... I mean, there are anecdotal accounts that are brought in certain places in the Maran, but a story like this about somebody else, I think it's the only place in the Maran where Rabbi Nachman brings a story. So listen to this. Rabbi Nachman says, in the days of the Magad is rich. which when he was writing this, wasn't that you know, much before him. He lived at the time of the Magad in a certain way. I don't know exactly the years that they overlap, maybe the end of their lives, but certainly Rabbi Nachman was the Dar of the Tamidiya Magad, Right? The Magid was the second generation. R' Nachman was the third generation. All the Talmidei Magid, the Rebbe of the Rebbe of Zusha, the Gedusha Slevi, the Maran all those Sadiqim, the Koznitzer, the Chule—they were all the uh, right, the Talmidei, the Talmud Khaver, right, of a uh, generation of R' Nachman. And so he says, There was a very wealthy and um, not only wealthy, but he was He had a very strong yichas, came from a very prestigious family. And he was a big misnaget to the tamide Amagid. And so they sort of came to the Magid and they and they told him about this person. Obviously, he was causing them pain. But and he says an interesting thing, "Shir lakari love." Like instead of arguing with him, try in every way that you should and somehow convince him you know, to become close to me and to start to learn the teachings that we're learning. And work very hard on this. This person specifically needs to be brought into the circle of the Tammidiyah Magid. And this is very important that people sometimes forget in of. that perhaps the most important weapon that we have, we talked about this, is tefillah, that's it. And so, that Hashem should help them in their endeavors and in their efforts. And this is what they did. them. Shahe, that finally they brought this person to the magid. ish And with time, he became a holy person, a yaris But the only problem was as his chaleirid minuchasuf. But what happened was is that the more. He started getting into Yiddishkeit a little bit. And the more he started to take more and more and more and more of his day and to devote it to Tfila and to Liman Torah, but the Maggid, we have no idea what it was like. When the Baal Tanya says, you know, that there were miracles rolling under the benches but nobody had time to pick them up. Because they were focused so much on the Limud. It was unbelievable what that Besmejrash must have been like, right? But his chasav, he started to lose a lot of his wealth and his property. But Amram Maggidzal, so the Maggid told him, She'elu elu hem, i'efsher Makam b'makam now, this sounds very much like Torah Dalit, right? Can't have these two things at once. Can't both be a Ish, Kasher and at the same time be a, a person who's successful in, in, in wealth. But derech klal, again, there are always uh, you know, unique cases. But if you hear Rebbe speaking generally, generally, generally speaking, that's also the rule you know, for all blanket rules, is that there's no such thing as a blanket rule, right? Even that's a blanket rule. Okay? So there's always going to be an exception. There's always going to be... It's impossible to say because the world is so complex and so, so many different variants and details and complexities and nuances that we, we have to speak in generalities because that's how we process things. And there is truth to generality, but at the same time, when we, when we generalize, it's always important to realize that within that generalization... Mm-hmm. It's okay if there are a couple of outliers, right? And to, and to always leave space for that, right? Not to, you know, be so simple-minded to go ahead and to present complex things in a very basic, you know, all these chevra are like this, and all this is like that. It's not true. Not at all, you know. So we can speak generally because that's healthy and that's important. We can't really have any conversations about anything without some level of generalization. But there always have to be, you know, leave makom, leave space for the uh, for the unique cases. Okay, so... It's Possible for these two things to be in one place. Torah ugdula. Torah is uh, is 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 the symbol over here, right? For ish kasher amayim, for closeness to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, real devotion to the Torah, to the Torah ugdula, and also to be able to maintain this worldly greatness, right? And this worldly success. Okay, how do we know? Because Chazal already tells the Gemara and Baba Basra, listen to this, what the Maga told him. The Chazal tells us, a person wants to go ahead and to become wise with the Chachm of Torah, Yadrim, he should face southerly, right? He should face south when he Davids. Lahashir, if a person wants to become wealthy, Yatsbin. So then he should face the north. Why is this so? Because in the Beis HaMikdash, the Menorah was to the south. And that's the Bechina of Chachma. And the Mizbeach was to the north. Or the, or the Shulchan, rather. The Shulchan was to the north. And that's the Bechina of wealth. So therefore, Nimsa says, says, says the Magid, And the Magid told this person, Nimsa, it emerges from this Maimach chazal, the Lahachim, That if a person wants to become wise, a person wants to devote his life to Yerushalayim, he stands facing the south. <laughs> it's one or the other, right? We don't have... Just to know, that's what, by Aaron O'Kain, by Elias, he had to uh, do, I heard just a the that he didn't change from what worship other. Why? He had to make a choice. to so get going to light the menorah, or is he going to do the other way? Right. So every day, this was a choice. a choice to do the menorah and forgo to be wow. more. Wow, wow, unbelievable. <laughs> this is something they chose each and every day unbelievable right because we're we're just physical human beings and it's not possible for us to face in two directions at once just not says the Magid that's implicit in this Gemara (laughs) make a decision and a person has to decide this. is right? And the ashiris is in the north. So if you're facing south in order to attain success in Torah, so then you're not standing in the north. V'chein l'hepech, and the opposite is also true. Fine. So all of this is sichadalet, right? And all of this is what Ibn Echman says, that it's kasha, it's difficult, it's mazik, it's not, a, it's not a good thing. And if a person is going to try to really, really access Yiddishkeit, Yir Shamaim, in a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch, when at the same time he wants to face south, Yefshar, right and that's. The first part. But the reason why I'm bringing this, and what I think is very, very helpful, is the final paragraph. im It is impossible for a person to attain both Torah, Gedulub, Makam Echad, except a person who's so, so humble, to the point where he's absolutely nullified. His ego is not there. The way he views himself is that he's not, he's not even in this world. All there is is Ratzon Hashem. There's no ego. There's, uh, there's no separateness. There's, uh, there's no my own understanding. We're going to talk a lot about that in the time that we have left. All there is is the Master of the World. Says Achman about such a person. Good. As We find that a person like that, who so much removes himself from his Gashmius identity, Mimela, he's able to escape that. That need or necessity to make a blanket decision, right? Are you either facing north or are you facing south? The answer is, I'm facing nowhere. I'm pasha, not here. Ayin ayin ve'efes ki Because such a person, we can't say definitively he's facing the north, he's facing the south. Because he can't say he. There's no him. So he's standing in all places. A Kain, Fshashia, Tara Gdullah Ba Such a person is indeed able to attain Tarah Gdullah be making echad. And look at the two at the two uh, examples that he brings over here, which match the two examples in Tarah Samach. Kikoin Mysh Alav Shalam, the Rabbi wa Rabbi was Masada Mishnah. So it's possible to say also this way, this malach, that there is a manner in reconciling Sikha Dalit with this Lukutum Tara Samach by saying that in Sikh Sran Dalid, Rebbe is talking about those that aren't on the level of Ain. Bittal, Ephes, right? To the point that they don't exist. Therefore, Memele, they need to choose. And if they're going to try to hold on to both things at once, it's not going to work for them. Either they're going to be very wealthy, or they're going to be big Yerish But if you're going to try to be very wealthy while being Yerish then Mimela, you end up turning, 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 more and more to the south, and you're not, uh, uh, more to the north, and you're no longer facing the south. But a person that's Mamish Ayin ve'ephes, which is what Rabbi Nachman is speaking about over here, is the Bechina of is the, is the Bechina of not standing anywhere, or standing everywhere, right? And therefore, these Sadiq of Moshe Rabbeinu and al were able to have tarah gudula b'makamachim. the shaman didn't want to leave his body after he died, because his was talking about nothing. Not himself, was not there, was so, right? It was not there Bechla. Yeah. And Moisha said about himself, right? It's possible also to say that um, this pasuk about the shevi Yisachar, that was wealthy, is Yisar HaDavka, chamar garim. is always, is, is lowly. What does it say about Mashiach? Right, Mashiach is connected to Re'ach. We talked about Moshe. Uh, what does it say about Mashiach? Mashiach is ani roichev al chamar. Right, because that's the whole the whole imagery of of Mashiach coming on the hills, ani Roichav al chamar. It's all anivus. It's all bittol. There's no airs. There's no grandeur. There's no flashiness. There's no lights and sirens. It's just simple anivus. It's just t'mimos That's ani roichev al chamar. Me'meli yisachar. Right. We're trying to connect the two. That yisachar is chamar garim dafka. Right. That what's laden with dunk- He's not a fancy white horse. Nah, it's a chamar, right? A memela. This is Sahar that has chamar gar and that has his anivus that enables him to attain wealth. Memela, it's he who is ubanei is He's able to access bina. Sacher had his own wealth. I you, think. Right, right. I guess later on, I don't know if it's, if it's wealth that they attained or it's wealth that they took from, from Zvolin and were able to, uh, to invest. Who knows? I don't know. It's a good question. Right. It's a good question. It is that way, right? Zvolin is the, is the Pyrenees in Yisachar. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You have to see the Rashi. Okay, but it emerges at the end of the day. Look at the Targum. it's after benichsin. That's what they were blessed with, right? It could be that it wasn't. says it's like svarim, Torah, right? A more full of. Right, laden with svarim. It's very interesting because if this is so, so then it turns out that mamish the reason further Ashirs, was the tyra. Not that it, not only it wasn't a stira, This itself, by the way, you're bringing up is, is is in a certain way. It's it's another aspect of this that we said that Moshe was nisasher from the Luchas, the psailus of the Luchas, right? It, it was the tyra itself that was the wealth. That was for them. It was the tyra and the gedula was mamish Makam echad. It wasn't that it happened to combine within one person from two separate locations. It was it was mamish one thing. It was one thing. Okay, Arkan, Sikha Dalit, Hashem, Shmaya, and now comes the real uh, the real the real work now. That we need a lot of Siat alishmaya as always, the fabra. Okay, so here we begin part two of tonight. And part one of the very lengthy Sichasaran Sipa He. For those that have sparim, you could see in front of you that it goes on for a good page and a half, right? And there are other pieces in Sichasaran that are longer, but this is also, for Sichasaran, this is a pretty long piece. Sichasaran He. Generally speaking, it's possible to split Sichasaran He up into about, yeah, about four different parts. We have four different parts, even though some of the later parts are going to touch on elements that we learned in a previous part, and it all wraps together and comes together, I thought that it would be very beneficial to see each piece on its own. Every week we're going to take Be'ezer Hashem for the next coming weeks. I don't know, maybe it's possible to learn, you know, two parts also in one night, but it'll take us a few weeks to delve into Sikh suran and let's take it piece by piece, part by part. Let's start with the first paragraph, okay? Sikh suran Aleph. Rabbi Nachman was disgusted by him, and he would denigrate the works of the and the, the works of philosophy. And he said, That in these works, with which Rabbi Nachman was intimately familiar. We're going to talk about that. Rabbi Nachman says, listen to these words, She'ein sham klal seichel gamor. Seichel gamor, there isn't. This is comparable to what Chazal already tell us, right? Chochmah bagayim tamen. bagayim al tamen. going to talk about that also. Ezra Hashem and he brings over here an interesting thing. The Eizemaim or Marsha and Maram like he doesn't even say Chazal. He says like Achronim that lived in the early 1600s. Basically, the Marsha and Maram Shif were not so much, you know, before time. He had the whole entire plethora of different areas of Torah and different generations and to choose from, and he chooses the Marsha or Maram I'm going to try to give a little bit of an explanation also why these two. That our svarim have this seichel gamur, that have depth, the seichel niflan, wondrous seichel, vena'im and sweet ma'oid, very very sweet. But in these works, you don't find this kind of seichel. You find some seichel. That's what Ben says. You find seichel, but not seichel gamur. Because it is the style of these Svarim to utilize or these works, right? To utilize Hekeshim, to utilize different philosophical and cognitive constructs, utilizing our perception of reality to be able to go from axiom to axiom to start with the most basic 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 thing that a human being could know and descartes for example everybody knows is i think therefore i am right to even to even to even clarify that we exist v'chlal so that there's somebody to philosophize and to speculate on the nature of the universe. We have to begin with that. Ah, if I think, and therefore I am, so what does it mean to be? And then I can perceive things. And then from one to the next, axioms that build one on each other, hakei shemineh ubehi, le'izem until they come to a new revelatory understanding, right, or this can be taken as a given and once we have a new pedestal or a new element to start from, then from that footstool, I I can begin to climb to a different place and to start to analyze the, the nature of existence and what all being emerged from and what is the nature of, of, of reality. But the seichel that we have in our Torah, you won't find that seichel. Seichel gamor. Very, very important word. Seichel gamor. You don't find in those far So, there are many, many, many places throughout Kisfei Breslov Predominantly in Sih Hasran, although there is an entire chapter in Chaim Aran, which is also a compilation of Rabbi Neffin's teachings, historical anecdotes, bi- biographical an- anecdotes, that's devoted, or that are devoted, to Rabbi Nachman's war and battle against philosophy. This is a theme that runs throughout Lukutim Rahn, Sichas certainly. That's where it's most dealt with in many, many different lessons. About five, six, seven times, we're gonna see this idea again and again, each time with a different facet and a new angle, which is why I don't wanna sit down and learn all the pieces in Sichas wanna talk about this, because let's focus on one at a time, and as we go, th- as we go through it, each time we'll analyze that facet and be'ezer Hashem come to an understanding of what this whole thing was all about. But in the Ran, it shows up. In Sichas ran, like we said, it shows up. And in Chaimran it shows up. And this is how Rabbi Nachman chooses to begin or how the Masader of Rabbi Nachman's Torah, Rabbi Nasan chooses to begin to introduce Rabbi Nachman's war against the Sifrei va Vafilosofim. His war against them. Was he the first to battle against philosophy and the inroads that philosophy had made over the, over, 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 or throughout history and different areas of Am Yisrael that then spread to, to, to other segments, he was certainly not the first. Certainly not the first. And throughout time, it's possible to say, Muhammad from the beginning of creation there have been two streams within existence, right? What, what we can call the rationalist and what we can call the mystical, right? The rationalist and the mystic. And this is a theme that shows up throughout our history, each and every generation in some form, in some way, this debate, this mahalach. Here we're going to get into the depth of what exactly is the difference. And we're going to keep coming back to this concept, seichel gomor. Because this is not to say that there's no seichel in philosophy. We're going to see now a piece in Chaimoran. Rebbe Nachman says, not that at all. Adarab Adarab. There's a tremendous amount of seichel there. Seichel gomor there isn't. Let's take a look in Chaimoran. Reishchav Gimel. Actually, think that it's a mistake. It should be. It should be tough. Chav Gimel. I think it's, it's it's actually 423. Says the HaLevi Rebbe Shusya No, With regard to the Chakira of those Mechakrim, those philosophers, sheHeizar MaOid leHisrachek MaOid Mehem. The Rebbe Nachman warned. A tremendous amount to stay a tremendous distance from them. in every kind of way, not to pick up these works, not to think about them, not to learn them. Va'amar and he said, "What's the difference between machakim and yarachakim?" I don't know. I mean, ph- 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 I think ph- he uses two different words. He uses two different words, but they always go together. Whenever he talks about philosophy or machakim, it, it always goes together. It's just different it's descriptive in at the... for machakir. Mm-hmm. means to, to analyze, analyze, right? To analyze. So. I don't know exactly. It, it, I, you know, probably it would be a synonym of philosopher. I don't know exactly. Okay. Le well, Chakra is to uh, uh, Chakira. Right? He doesn't mention the philosopher before he does. It's, it's, it's oh, that is interesting. You're right. You're right. Over here it's not. So I'm it's a thing. Over here it's not. It's interesting. But there are Chlal it is though. But there are they are put together, but that's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. He says that these philosophers were analyzing and were using their rationalistic understanding to attain a perception of the G'dul of Hashem They weren't, like many people think, you know, that the Hellenistic philosophers, it was complete, complete uh, uh, atheism. That's not true at all. The early philosophers believed in God. What it meant, God, what that means to them. We're going to talk about. It. But they were able to attain some perception of a first cause, right? With a capital F and a capital C, from which everything else emerged. And they're even able to attain a perception that's true, not just like a, a caricature, but they're able to attain a very lofty level of understanding of what God is, what, how, and, and God's greatness, and, and, and where HaKadosh who ends, so to speak, in terms of His infinite, infinite light and where creation begins and how removed He is. Now listen to this together. It's so sharp and it's so intuitive and it's so instructive. Listen to this. Before we get there, Because if there's one thing that all philosophers agree on is that the concept of God is beyond our mind to comprehend. Where God begins, we spoke about a little bit. A little bit we spoke about when we talked about they think that God begins where the physical world ends. And the truth is they don't have any access to all the spiritual levels that come first, right? In the spiritual realm, beyond nature, that are the blueprint of nature before you get to that place of insof and the seder of We talked about that. But Al-Kopanim, uh, they're able to attain that. And they're able to realize that we can know nothing about him, which is the truth. And this also ties very much into which is that they don't know what it is that we can't know. So there is a level of truth to that that they'll say flat out, we cannot grasp that first cause. We have no idea what it is, You know how to even think about it. It's beyond the human mind, etc. But... in in, in order to understand the extent to which they can understand it, that's something that only a person, again, that's attaining Hasagas through revelation, which we'll talk about, is able to then understand, Okay, so even though they're able to come to this kind of understanding, listen to this. They can attain an understanding that there's gotta be a God that is something that can be sensed rationally in certain, again, each philosopher brought a different aspect to this. Aristotle, right, is sort of the the father, right, of, of, of modern philosophy at least. So many of the other philosophers are drawing from Aristotle who believed in a God. Right? who believed in a conception of a first cause, who was able to look at everything that was created in this world and be able to see its source in this spherical sort of structure that he imagined as the world in the core and then different planetary powers, which in Kabbalah also, mazales, are connected to the constellations, v'chule v'chule, until he arrived at the concept of the, first, of the first cause. But could he use his rational mind to come up with tfillin? Could use his rational mind to come up with tzitzis, with sukkah, with Pesach, dalar minim, bris. That's something that's that's beyond. That's beyond. And not just because it's beyond the rational mind. We're going to talk a lot about this now. Not just because it's beyond the rational mind's ability to understand what the mitzvot are but because they're bechlal in a They're bechlal from out of left field. When we start talking about the rational person's mind to be able to understand what needs to be understood in terms of what we can sense, had tefillah not been introduced to the world, there's not one human being that would have come up with this, with this concept of black boxes with straps on the head and on the hand and what the function is. A mitzvah they, can, they couldn't come up with. Umakhmah in Khaifrim and that's why they're big Kaifrim. even though they could be essentially spiritual people in the sense that they believe in a spiritual realm. But the mitzvos and the revelation that the mitzvos rely upon or are rooted in Khaifrim Gedolim. Because it's, it, they only believe what they can grasp with their rational mind that began with the principles of their own perception until you get to the place where it's because, because this is true or this we've, we've ascertained is true and because this is true so then it must be that there's, a, that, there's a, that there's a first cause. But that means that your perception of godliness started with your own mind and therefore it leaves no room for revelation which is God thinking of you instead of you thinking about God all day and God reaching out in order to introduce something into creation that you wouldn't have been able to grasp with your own mind. That's the mitzvahs. but but afterwards save it, okay? So so this is therefore even though again Rabbi Nachman says sham there is seichel but in sham seichel gamor. Okay, so let's talk about this outside for a minute. Ye sham seichel, in sham seichel gamur. Our understanding of a Kodesh baruch Hu, in terms of our rational perception, can bring us, like ibn Nachman says, to a certain perception of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is and what he isn't and what he must be because Hashem gifted us with the rational ability to come to that perception and awareness and understanding. But if our system of understanding precludes revelation, precludes the tradition that we believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu descended onto our Sinai, which could be the same Hashem that Aristotle believes in, but that a Kaddish Baruch Hu descended into this world and gifted us with a book, with a, with, a, with a world of thought that contains and captures the objective reality as seen from God's perspective. So then we have one half of the coin and not the other half of the coin. And it's going to essentially be limited because what we're talking about, we, Aristotle could never have come up with the mitzvah of or tzitzis because it's necessarily limited to what the mind's able to to grasp. And that means that anything religiously speaking, that is a fundamental foundation of our Yiddishkeit, if we preclude revelation, is going to be necessarily crippled and stunted. Aristotle's God that we made mention of before as the first cause, right, without getting into it because we're trying to stay away from this, but but just to be able to talk about what we're not talking, not what we shouldn't be talking about, it was very very difficult, right? Is in his words, I guess Latin or French, whatever he was speaking in, the unmoved mover. There's a concept in philosophy, the unmoved mover. What does this mean? Part of the way that Aristotle arrives at this conception of a first cause of a being is to note the way in which everything that moves in existence is because it's being, it's being inspired by a, higher, by a higher premise, by a higher principle. People move because there was something above, either an ideal or an, or an idol, right, a person that we look up to, that we want to imitate, but there's always something above that's motivating people to move. Mimela, Aristotle goes from step to step to step to step, from the lowest crea- crea- creations and creatures or levels of creation, higher and higher, that each and every mover is being influenced in turn by another mover until you come to the very first mover that is neither, imp- that, that, that is not impacted unlike all the other movers along the way that were impacted by a higher mover, but that impacts everything. And that's called the unmoved mover, the the place where it starts. Because it can't go go on infinitely, right? There's got to be a place from which the chain began. And that's called the unmoved mover. That's the bechina of Aristotle. And we're talking about Aristotle's concept of this first cause that is completely and entirely removed from the process of being impacted. And all it is is that it impacts. It's the unmoved, uh, 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 impossible-to-be-impacted being. This is, this is the God of Aristotle. This is the God of Aristotle. With that in mind, let's take a look at Chaim Aran. It should also be tough. Ches 408. And Rabbi Nachman says like this. And, and even before we start with this, we have to say again that even in Rabbi Nachman, and certainly in the other Tzaddik that spoke about the Rambam's influence under the influence, right, and, and his studies of Aristotelian works that showed up sometimes in Yad, in the first Chelek, in, in Mada, but certainly in mar that all of those that disagreed with the Rambam's approach or certain things that the Rambam said, which itself is a huge sugya, all of the different charges and all the different uh, uh, criticisms that they had, it's multifaceted, right, throughout, throughout the generations, but still... The kavod of the Rambam in terms of what he contributed. Where would we be? Mimoisha v'admoisha, kamoisha. And so even Rabbi Nachman himself in this piece that he's going to talk about Maranavuchim, and again, he's not the first to have done so and he's not the last. The Gra famously also, I think in Yeridea, on, 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 on Shulchan Aruch, the Grah also, very, very sharp language right there was a big 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 tumult in the times of the Rambam largely the end of his life and the next generation throughout those centuries was a tremendous 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 machlokes against the Rambam right and again not detracting chas Shalom one iota right from his godless in lima Torah that's completely unfathomable right that it's even a joke for me to say unfathomable I don't know what I'm what I'm not able to fathom right so that needs to be said as a given but just to understand what it is that the Ramban is rooted in and what's the different path of Rabbi Nachman and the Ramban, and Kabbalah is trying to take us on a different, on a different journey. <speaking in Hebrew> Rabbi Nachman would like, would, would like, not you know, make jokes about, but <speaking in Hebrew> he, would, he, he wasn't impressed by the reasons given for the mitzvahs in Sefer, Mar, and that the <speaking in> Hey <Hebrew> lists. The Claudius first different, different, um, different reasons. For the general categories of mitzvahs and then he starts going into specifics each and every one each and every chag and he said how could we give such simplistic reasons to say this is why ha Baruch Hu gave us these mitzvahs to say on Karbonus and Katairis that basically the implication of what the Ramam says is that on a very basic 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 basic, basic simple level is that there were pagan worship, wor, you know, worship services where they brought up animals to their gods, right? With a, cat, with a lowercase g, right? And therefore, in order to lead us away from that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us our own karbanis and Katairis. And that's, and that's basically the implication of just to keep us away from the Hevel of serving a sacrifice to an idol. HaKadosh so Baruch Hu gave us Karbanus. That's karbanis. That's, that's really? That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us this carbonus and Katairis? Well, Katairis is the Yud Aleph Minim, why 11, not 12, why 11 and not 10? How much rectifications are taking place in the spiritual worlds just by saying the Qataris? Forget about being makter Qataris on the basis of Mikdash. If it were indeed in the way that these. Ultimately, Tzaddikim were describing, but that Rabbi Nachman felt was twisted and was wrong. If that's what the Kateros was for, so then what would it help to say the kurbanis? By the way, I'm not even sure that the Raman would hold that there's something significant about saying Kateros, which itself is interesting. I don't know where that's rooted from. I don't know if that's if a that's Chazal, the Mira of Kateros, where that comes from a kurbanis. I don't know. Could be that that was later. I don't know. I'm strong show How could someone say such a folly? That the guitarist is rooted spiritually in that lofty place, what's happening in all the spiritual realms when a person person's doing the guitarist and, this, and, the, and the tremendous sodas, the tremendous secrets. But the truth is, that we have no conception of what the reason for the qatairas is. We just believe what Maish told us that we should do qatairas. Not because there's any understanding or explanation that's going to belittle the grandeur and the reach of this mitzvah, but simply but shit is at shalahasi seichel and that there are reasons that are impossible to give a pragmatic explanation for the Qataris. It sounds sweet on paper. But this is what the guitarist is. What that avoida was. Even just to say them and is that Mitzvahs. All the tame are incredibly lofty. and are hidden, hidden, hidden from any living person. G'mashikasav. Wanderers. And so the Ramam is caught in a very funny place. Because the Ramam in a certain way, his conception of God is connected to the Aristotelian concept of the unmoved mover, the first cause. That the Rambam is maruk to talk about how we can't talk about any of Hashem's positive qualities, only the negative qualities. What we know about Hakadosh Baruch Hu is only what we know for sure. He isn't. He isn't too, He isn't limited. Vichuleh. All these things we can't talk about. What Hakadosh Baruch Hu Himself and about His attributes and about how He relates to this world. He's the unmoved mover, standing outside, above, beyond. It's called negative theology. We can only say anything about Hashem what we what we what we uh, what we what we know that we what we know that He is not, but not about what we know He is, which is the bechina of. Of his spashtas, asiyah, right? A relationship that's tangible, that's feelable, that we can perceive. But by the same token, the Ramam believes in revelation. But the Ramam's name was Maimon, right? The Ramam believes in revelation. So the Ramam's playing this funny game where on the one hand, unlike Aristotle, that Rabbi Nachman says wouldn't be able to come up with the seichel, you know, the hanoshi that he has to, to be able to perceive a mitzvah he doesn't have. But the Ramam has mitzvahs. But the Ramam's premise for the ta'ameyah mitzvahs that he gives is that they're all for our egotistical benefit or our ego-focused benefit in the sense that the mitzvahs were given only to be able to bring us to a rectification, to live in a proper way, but not in any way that God... Is, 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 uh, it has a stake in our mitzvah, so that we can give to our baruch Hu, Was an idea that was completely and entirely out of the ramam system of thought, because again, Hashem is the unmoved mover. There's no m- having a hashpa on a baruch Hu, or a reciprocal relationship. God is mashpia. The mitzvahs that He gave us have reasons. You know what the reasons are? Only for our own tikkun. But not that there's any sort of flow up and down, back and forth. It's a It's a rusd My nukvin. My ducher. And all these concepts and the Ramam doesn't exist Bechla Says Rabbi Nachman, how ridiculous. If you weren't able to come up with the mitzvah, with your own rational understanding, so then why are you so sure that after the mitzvah has been given, which is rooted in revelation, you're able to use your own rational mind to be able to to understand why that revelation was gifted? Again, the mitzvahs don't come from the place of my own das, my own mind. Aristotle wouldn't have had access to that because it's mushlal revelation. Says, I don't understand if the mitzvahs are rooted in revelation so then don't you think that there would be reasons for the mitzvahs that are also beyond our conception ability to grasp again what's the rationalist understanding of Baruch, is the unmoved mover is that we cannot have any hashpa in him why because it doesn't make sense Hashem is perfect if we could have hashpah in HaKadosh Baruch or to give him something then HaKadosh Baruch wouldn't be perfect and therefore the rational understanding of God negates Right or precludes our ascribing to him any acceptance from us, the unmoved mover. But Rambam, the whole thing of the mitzvahs is itself revelation. So then why can't we go and look at the mitzvahs and then be able to perceive that there's an aspect of why they matter to us that's also beyond understanding. And in that beyond understanding, we could indeed give to HaGadish Baruch. We could indeed impact him. See? That was Rabbi Nachman's challenge. These two things don't go together. Ali the Imam started. i think I'm my heart already. Ah, there's so much to say. There's so much to say. Okay, so these are Shem we're going to pick up next time. But just but just or Nimrods, they're on ban who did have Kabbalah. And the shorish of the Kabbalistic idea is that Am Yisrael has an impact on the Kodesh Baruch nachas ruach. And that we're creating tikkun and we're rectifying things, fixing the world. We're making an impact because that's how Kodesh Baruch wanted it. That he should give but he should also receive. And that's where Kabbalah gives us a whole different understanding of the Kodesh Baruch Hu as a reciprocal relationship as opposed to being commanded. But we're in love. Right? And in love, the two, the two are able to give to one another. So we're just opening this Sugya, but I think that it's a, good, it's a good start. It's a big, complex Sugya wasn't ja, 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 ja. die